and welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me as always is Court Winston. What up, what up, Katie? <laughs> and Cameron, do that opening bell. Okay, ladies and gents, this is an episode that I'm kind of excited about because I'm hoping a lot of people tune in and listen to it. We want to talk about when to invest, investment advice, and you know, just kind of the general question that so many people... I know personally have asked me since I've gotten into this business. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a conversation that I keep having with people and I thought, "Hey, Court, let let's let's talk about it. Let's It's it's worth noting, Katie, that we, that we are recording our <laughs> we're recording our 45th episode that that has actually that will actually be published. This is That's crazy. Way less than 45 episodes that we've actually recorded, but <laughs> <laughs> this one is will be the 45th that we actually publish. And I would have assumed at this point that we would have covered this. Um, you know, that we would have that the people would have kind of gotten the idea of of when you should invest and so forth, and whether or not there's an actual answer to that question. Uh the you you, Cameron, and I have all three been sitting in this room for uh-huh. all 45 of those episodes, and yet even even Cameron is like, okay, so I've been thinking about investing. What do I do? And we're like, well, you've come to the right place. Exactly. But apparently we haven't covered it enough. So well, we're going to really get into some 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 basics today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we get asked that question. When is the right time to invest? I mean, nowadays, we have so much information at our fingertips. Literally, like you can sit there and someone says something and you instantly Google it. And you're shown with all these blogs and then Facebooks and Instagrams and twi- tweets and all kinds of stuff out there that tells you everything you could possibly want to know. But it's not necessarily all good information, and it's, it's you can get so bogged down with so much. I mean, think about it. How many times do you get a head cold, and you start searching your symptoms, and by the end of it, you are pregnant, or you have cancer? I actually, today, was I'm, I'm feeling were, a little under the weather, pregnant? and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have cancer, and I'm pregnant. So. I, have okay. a, I have a cold right now. Um, I'm not pregnant, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think. Did you check on WebMD? Because I'm pretty sure if you check <laughs> yeah, if there. I, if I check on WebMD, I am in the grave. <laughs> yep. So my point of bringing that up is that there's a lot of information out there. And so we really want to do this episode to just talk about what's out there and how do you weed through it all and figure out what is right for you. So kind of to start it all off, we want to do, of course, our top five. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if we haven't already gotten enough personal with you guys, we're going to get a little bit more personal. And Court and I are going to do kind of the top five reasons why we personally are doing financial planning and trying to make sure that we're on track with our lives. Yeah, every now and then you do have to update. And we both are in need of an update. We are both in need of an update. So, Court, tell me uh, some of your reasons why. Your top five reasons why you... top five reasons why I need an updated financial plan. Okay, well... Uh, my youngest child is about to go away to school. She is leaving the state and going far across the country to go to school. So we are officially this fall going to be empty nesters for the first time. And that means a whole lot of changes in our life. But it also means that we're not worried about, um, we're not worried about education planning anymore. We're not worried about, uh, about maintaining the, the the household for five people. It's just going to be the two of us. And so we've got a lot of financial the changes. the two of us. Exactly. And hopefully we will make it, her and I. Um, <laughs> Good job. You and uh, I. 
<laughs> so, okay, number one for me is downsizing. Um, because we are empty nesters or about to be empty nesters, potentially going to be empty nesters, we've talked about possibly downsizing our house. And we're in a sort of an interesting position in that we, if we were to downsize our house, we could potentially end up spending more on a new house, a new smaller house, than we did on our old one. It's just the way the market's been going. It's the, it's, it, you know. So Times we, are changing. Yeah, we may actually downsize into a smaller house, but end up spending more money. And is that really, financially, is that really a good decision to make? Or should we just stay in the, the bigger yeah, house? Lots of options to look at. That is a consideration that we must take into consideration. Into consideration. <laughs> well, uh, I'm coming. Robin and I both are coming up on 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 the age of fifty, uh, and so at fifty years old, I'm looking at okay, we have we have uh, age coming at us, you know, hardcore, strong, and fast. <laughs> and uh, what's the likelihood that one of us might potentially end up in a, a long term care facility at some point? And so, and can we pay for that out of the money that we have saved up? No, no, we would be, we would be looking for assistance if we, if we don't do something about it. So need an analysis of, of what we can do as far as long-term care insurance is concerned and how we can afford that, if we can afford it and what, what will be the best way to go about getting it. Because we don't want to end up necessarily being a burden on our kids. Robin and I both have sort of told each other we don't want to end up being a burden on each other. But also, of course, we've sworn undying love to each other and said, no, I'll take care of you no matter what if I can. And <laughs> you she says, no, I'll take care of you no matter what if I can. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe we should look at some long-term care insurance. <laughs> so that's a three. Um Number four is life insurance. Um, I had a life insurance policy. Um, it's term, and it's it's coming up to the end of its term, and I'm gonna need. I, I'm gonna want to con, to to get more coverage, and so we need a life insurance analysis to make sure that we've got the proper coverage for both Robin and I, given our new status, given mm -hmm. our empty nester status, and so forth. I'm, and let me just caveat here. I know there are a bunch of people out there that are listening to me right now going, oh, you don't know. Your kids are going to be back. Yes, I understand that there's a potential <laughs> that our children will come back. But there will only be so many of them that can come back if we downsize our house and there isn't enough room for everybody. Uh, <laughs> and Katie, what are those kids called that come back? Uh, oh, what were they? Boomerang kids. Yep, that boomerang kids. Yep. That's what I was picturing in boomerang. They always come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I understand boomerang kids. I understand that we may not be as free as, as I'm describing, but still, there are these are things that we need to take into consideration. And then, um, finally, I'm at this point now where I'm kind of looking at, okay... I, I went to school late in life. I went to, to, to graduate school late in life. So I had a lot of student debt late in life and, and I had other issues. And we are now, we, we, we are debt free. Um, we're, so we've, we've got that going for us. We're, we're building up all of those emergency funds and vacation funds that you're supposed to build up that we preach all the time. That's awesome, Court. Um, but now there's this whole thing about legacy. And what am I going to leave behind to my kids? Ah. And if I were to die tomorrow, other than the life insurance policy I have, which it still hasn't expired yet, there's not a whole lot else that I, I have to, to leave behind. You know, I've got a savings account and a little 401k and an IRA and stuff like that. But, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not setting them up for life for sure. And so I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking about, you know, what am I going to leave behind, not only to my kids, but, you know, am I going to be able to, uh, to, to leave something to my favorite causes, to my favorite charities and so forth. And so another thing that, that you can analyze and figure out your, your plan going forward so you can achieve those sorts of goals. This is what I want to leave for my kids. This is what I want to leave to my alma mater, so on and so forth. And, um, those are the big things. So basically, Katie, I'm thinking about going crazy and I'm thinking about dying. That's that's my big stuff. And that's what I want to plan for. Wow. Well, those are incredible. So I'm going to do mine. And it's, you know, again, I, we're in different life cycles. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I got married in 2019. And so we did move out of my house that was, you know, my little... She shed house. It wasn't a she shed, but you know, like my, my cute little girl house mm-hmm. and we bought a new house. So when I'm talking about updating my financial plan, I really want to look at how do I cash flow? How do I make sure that I'm putting enough away for retirement so that I'm taking care of whenever I decide to retire, but also that I'm not putting everything to retirement and I don't have money to spend for day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So that's something I definitely want to help with cash flow. Number two is, uh, you know, one day I hope that I'm blessed that I can have kids. Well, and sure. so that's something to really think about is, you know, I don't know that you're ever mentally ready for a kid. I don't know that you ever really are fully financially ready. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to try and make sure my ducks are in a row that we could eventually add on to our family. And, um, you know, parenthood is great, Katie. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> Says the tired dad. Uh, number three, you know, again, it's just how much should we, again, with cash flow, how much should we be saving? How much should we be putting in different things to make sure that we're meeting our goals? Because I, I want to make sure that we're having fun and that I'm able to provide for the kids. So education funding and all of that. My number four would be, As you've heard from a lot of these episodes, I'm a giver, and I really would like to make sure that not only do I have enough money to take care of myself and my husband and our future family, but that I'd have enough money to be able to move stuff around if someone needed it. If a family member, I needed to take care of them, or if a close friend that's like a family member needed something, I'd want to see if how that was possible, that I was comfortable enough to be able to help someone in need. And uh, the last one would be, you know, the importance of making sure that we're living life now, we're planning, building those emergency funds, building those vacation budgets, and that we're not just jumping at the opportunity of investing, but making sure that we've got that perfect balance and that life happens and you've got to adjust things. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's an interesting topic for us to cover because this is, this is obviously not pop culture at all. This is just sort of us and kind of our. This is raw. This is real. This is like, <laughs> I think I saw People Magazine's doing the whole like no makeup. This is Court and Katie raw. No oh, Lord. They don't, they do not want to see me raw. That's for sure. But okay. Let, let's, so. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. Oh, my Lanta. <laughs> Cameron. So. So there's so many people 
so many reasons why people would want a financial plan. And, you know, Court and I just rattled off several different options of you want to retire, you want to provide for your family, um, you don't want to work the rest of your life, you, you may have debt and want help to get out of debt. Um, you may be inheriting money one day and want to know what to do. So this episode, we want to talk about kind of first off debunking some of the things out there that are about investments and kind of what to expect when you're talking to a professional financial advisor or planner. And, you know, obviously we're going to talk about what it would be like if you came to Pickler Wealth Advisors. We're Mm -hmm. going to talk about that. And then at the end of it, we just kind of want to give you an understanding so you can leave this episode feeling like you understand when you, as the listener, should invest and what you should do, what's your next steps. Mm-hmm. I think I think the one thing that we've made clear at this point, if you don't understand already, is that that one question that we get so much, when should I? It's not, it, one size does not fit all. No. There is no set certain answer for that, answer to that question. So here you go. Yeah, it's all, it's a depends. So, okay, let's let's start with some debunking. Myth number one. You need a lot of money to invest. Womp, womp, womp. False. No, that is not true at all. I mean, um, I I know I know somebody that's very close to me that has already started her investment accounts, her retirement account, and she's you know she's twenty two years old and she's got a retirement account going, and she started it off with a relatively low sum of money. But you yeah, know, that's great. I mean, some people start out with an investment account of their education funding for their kids, and it may be you know twenty fifty dollars a month. And they've just got it set up as a monthly discipline. So yeah, it, that is not true. You do not have to have billions of dollars to even think about investing. So get that out of your minds. Myth number two, past performances guarantee future returns. So what I want to say about this is it's one of those, let's use, you know, all the pop cultures of like, oh, such and such just made all this money because they bought XYZ stock. Mm-hmm. That's a past performance. That does not mean that, you, you know, if someone made all this money five years ago buying in this company that was brand new, and now you decide to buy that stock, it does not mean you're going to have the same returns. So it's one of those that do not go off of news, don't go off of pop culture, don't look at the past results and expect you're going to have the same thing. Right. <clears throat> Myth number three, a 401k is the only way to save for retirement. Well, no. <laughs> it may not, be the only one you've heard of. Yeah, because not everybody has the option for a 401k. And it's, some people may have a 401k that they're saving in. Some may have a IRA, individual retirement account. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may have a SEP IRA. They may, I mean, there's so many different 403B, options. 403B. You know, there, there was a number, there was a, a string of numbers and letters the other day that I heard for the first time. <laughs> I had never heard it before. So. Lots of different ones out yeah. there. Myth number four, investing is gambling. Hmm. I mean, it can be. Yeah. I mean, you certainly, especially if you don't know what you're doing and you just are throwing some money at some stocks and because you've, you've seen people do it and you, you go on and, and you take your little money and you just are tossing it and seeing what happens, you know, you might as well go put your money in a slot machine. Yeah. If you are investing intelligently, that you have done the research or you have gotten a financial partner to work with you, then that should never be gambling. Gambling is, you think about it, you walk into the you know, around here, you walk into Tunica, you walk into one of their casinos and say, I'm going to spend $500. You know, or hopefully you know, that there is a likelihood you may not get 
out of there with that $500. Yeah. You could come out of there actually less because then you've bought the buffet and drinks or whatever. Hopefully you've basically <laughs> planned your night and I'm going to the casino and this is my budget for the casino. And if I walk out of the casino with zero dollars, yeah. then I'm okay with that. Obviously investing, the, the goal is never to walk out with, with zero dollars. The goal is to is to uh, add to your investment. Mm-hmm. Um, there is risk. Yes. Just like with gambling, there Always is risk. risk. But, you know, hopefully we're able to mitigate that risk a little bit better than you you could just throw in some money on black 35 <laughs> or is it red 35 on the roulette wheel. So I mean, but if you are getting your advice from like TikTok or Snapchat, that might be some stop gambling. It. Just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Myth number five, investing in individual stocks is the best. Again, not necessarily. It's it's one of those that every plan is unique. Yeah, but I mean, investing in invi- individual stocks is best. That I don't even know why that's a myth. What it, that that flies in the face of everything that we say. It's exactly. all about diversification. It's why, out. I, it's out there, court. I don't know. I, who I, thinks that? Let me meet this person. I want people, to slap them in the face. The people think it. Huh. Okay, myth number six. Our last myth. You are too young. Or you are too old. Well, <laughs> I think we covered young. I mean, like I said, I, I know somebody that's that's straight out of college is already putting away for their retirement. Um, and certainly, you're never too old. No, um, it's it's never too late, and it's you're never too young. So that's man, no, no, fooey. Okay, so we hopefully debunk some myths to you. And what we want to do is now talk about why you should be doing a financial plan. Talk about what kind of advisor you should be looking for, what kind of questions you should be asked, who's the right person for you, and then, of course, hopefully answer, when should you invest? Yes. I mean, those are the hot questions right now, and so... Hot topic. (laughs) Hot topic. Okay. So, Court, let's get right into this. Why somebody should do a financial plan? Well, every reason we just said is a potential reason that you should do a financial plan. I mean, every reason that we had is a potential reason for someone else. And we do cover a pretty broad range of age. So, you know, a lot of different people at a lot of different ages could potentially be affected by some of the same things that we are. That's that's the most basic answer. Yeah. I mean, what it really boils down to is it is you agreeing to have a partner help you look at every aspect of your life, pull out those contracts, those life insurance, those retirement accounts. Find maybe accounts you've forgotten about. Help you really get organized. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's all nice and neat. And then they can sit there and they can look at it and see, let's put a, let's put analysis together. Let's build your dreams in there. Let's figure out what you want. But this is a living, breathing document. This is not something that you make a plan one time and you don't ever look at it again. A financial plan is a part of your life. And so it's really taking a hard look at everything and saying, you know, today my goal is I want to be able to afford kids one day. Okay, well, that's what it is. Well, then life may change Mm -hmm. and my goal may be something totally different. And just like yours and my goals are different, that's how each of these financial plans are very unique and they're constantly changing with what's going on in your life and what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and also it's worth noting that you have that sort of subjective subjective element. You have that sort of what are your goals and dreams. And then you also have the very scientific element. How much money do you have right now? Yeah. How much money do you need when you retire or when you send your kids to school or whatever the question is that needs to be answered? And then 
what are the scenarios that we can put you in that will get you to the financial goal that you have? And that's yeah. that's a that is a that is a scientific analysis on those. Absolutely. So you're probably going, okay, Katie and Court, this sounds great. You know, where can I find these financial plans? Well, so that's something to consider is there's a lot of different people that'll do financial plans and there's different standards. One person may call one thing a financial plan and another person may call, you know, that's something totally different. That's just a, you know, a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so it's where you got to do your homework and find the person that fits your life and fits your needs. Now, there are some firms that won't talk to you unless you have a certain dollar amount. Yes, And what, I'm going to get in my soapbox right now, what we do at Pickler Wealth Advisors, what we believe in is we are building lifelong relationships. It's not clients, it's relationships. You're really a part of the family because we want to have a strong foundation with you. We want to get to know our clients and invest our time before we ever discuss investing money. And we do that because we want to encourage our clients to work with us, to put together all these pieces. And so it's not a you know patchwork quilt where we're trying to Frankenstein it all together and it's just a mess. We want to work together be a part of your life and figure out, you know, what's going to work because a lot of the plans that fail are the ones that time has not been spent to take a step back and look at the whole overall picture because your life really is a map and we want to make sure that we're taking you down the right direction. And I mean, what's, what's the whole say? You always hit the fork in the road. Well, that's where you can go back to a plan and say, Hey, which, which direction should we take? But we're different in the fact that, um, we are based very much on referrals and we like to take care of our clients. And so it's one of those that some firms will have a minimum for you to have to have for them to ever even talk to you. But the way we work off of is referrals. And so we want to take care of our clients. We want to take care of those relationships and make sure we're a real partner with you through all of this. A measure of our success is our, our the longevity of a relationship with any given client. And one of the one of the things that we do to make sure that we maintain a relationship with clients is we want to help the people that they want to help. So if a client comes to us and say, here, I have this friend or I have this child, I have this parent that mm-hmm. I would like you to help as well because you've helped me, then we're going to help that person because that's part of the relationship that we have with an existing client. And we're not necessarily going to ask, okay, well, how much money do they have before yeah. we start trying to help them? That's not necessarily the way everybody does business. Different people have different standards for who they want to do business with. That's just the way that we do it. And if that's the right if that's the right way for you, great. If that's not the way you want, want somebody to do business with you, then there, there are other options out there. Yeah. It's it's like everything right now. There are different people, there are different companies, different standards, and you've got to find who fits you. Who is the person that you can build a trusting relationship with? And so you're probably going, okay, Katie and Court, how do I figure out who to trust? Who Who is that person? What questions do you ask? What questions can you ask? Okay. So, Court, tell them about some of the real fun legally questions they can ask. Okay. Well, first and <laughs> foremost... Um, one of the things that I do whenever I'm looking at somebody coming to work for us um, or what, if I were advising someone what to do if they are looking for a financial advisor, the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is if this person is licensed to deal in in the stocks and the bonds and the, the securities, mm-hmm. if they're licensed in to, to, to deal with securities, then they have something, they, they have a record basically. And you can check their record for whether they've done 
bad things in the past by going to brokercheck.com. And it, it gives you it gives you an outline of every license that they have. It gives you a, a list of everywhere that they've worked. And if any other client of theirs has ever made a complaint against them, then that broker check record is going to show you what the complaint was and what the result of that complaint was. Did they... Did they get sued? Did they go to arbitration? Did they settle? Mm -hmm. Did they get fined big time? Did they lose a license? It'll all be there. So first and foremost, if you are looking at financial advisors and trying to decide who you want to go to, go to brokercheck.com first and check out their record. You can you can search by name. It's kind of like their report card. You can sit yeah. there and see what they've done because this business is very transparent. Mm -hmm. We have to be because we are taking care of clients' money. And so it's out there. It's public. So that's number one. If you're searching for a financial advisor, first question to ask is, have they done bad things? And the <laughs> way you can find out for sure is you don't have to ask them. You can go to their broker check and it's all right there. Yeah. So there is a new um, thing called Reg BI, and it is that we're all supposed to have the best interest of our clients. Yes. Regulation best interest. Yeah, so. it sounds like a no-brainer, and it's something that, but it's now a regulation. You mm -hmm. have to have the best interest of your client, and so that's where you actually can interview your potential financial advisor, financial planner, whoever it may be, because you have to have that relationship with them. You have to have that personal connection. Mm -hmm. Um, fees is definitely something that you want to discuss, figure yeah. out what, how do they, how are they going to get paid? Yeah. How, how is your financial paid? advisor? How is your financial planner going to get paid? Okay. If you're going to somebody strictly for a financial plan and they, as a business, they just do financial plans, then chances are you're going to get charged a fee for that financial plan. On the other hand, if you're going to somebody and you're seeking a more long-term relationship for a, with a financial advisor, then the financial plan might just be part of their whole process. Mm -hmm. And that might be something that isn't charged a separate fee. It's just something that is included in their process. But they're getting paid somehow. Yeah. Nobody is doing this just out of the goodness of their heart. This is this, you know. So how are you going to pay this person? You need to find that out. Well, and so one thing you need to look at is make sure when you're looking at the broker checks, some people may call things different titles, but they're not all created equally. It could be your bank or your insurance or a separate financial firm. So make sure that you fully understand, is this person licensed? What is what does their title actually mean? Mm -hmm. What can they do? What what have they done to get them to this qualification to be able to work with you? Right. It's do your homework. That's so much of it. Um, but it's, you know, you, you are coming to this person because you've had significant life changes. Maybe you've have a financial situation you need help with. But also something that we have a lot of times is if you need that impartial third party that can really help. If you've got, you know, in a way, we sometimes end up having to be a marriage counselor, honestly. Well, there, there have been times, <laughs> yes. It's if, if you've got your financial issues, if you've got a child that is, you're not wanting to cut them off, but you really need help. You need somebody to say like, hey, look, I'm hurting my retirement because I keep enabling you. So that's there's another thing to look at with these different financial plans and working with financial advisors. And you've got out there these robo advisors now. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, you know, for some people, they love it and they love doing that. But to me, I, I like a person. I like someone that I can call and talk to about this and not just be trusting some robot working a computer. Well, okay. So robo-advisor, what we're talking about there is the 
sites that you can go to where you can you can trade stocks yourself on a site or mm-hmm. on an app on your phone these days and and effectively you're you're doing all the trading yourself you're making all of the decisions yourself you're not yeah. consulting anybody yeah that company doesn't care if you're playing with money that's really for your baby's preschool you they sell don't care. a stock <laughs> and they charge you a fee and you buy a stock and they charge you a fee and that's that's all that matters um, but if you have utter and complete confidence in yourself as a trader, then maybe that's for you. Yeah. But you need, you need to consider that. All right. Let me give you a story that happened recently. Cause you know, a, a lot of the reason why we did this episode is cause questions keep coming up. So I had someone reach out to me and say, Katie, I, I'm getting the next round of stimulus checks and I've been fortunate. I haven't lost my job. Um, this is just extra money. I think I want to invest with this money. So, you know, somebody could say, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, let's make this money work for you. Let's put it in something that's going to grow for you. But you got to take a step back and ask those questions. You got to say, well, hold on. First off, you know, how is your cash level? Do you have plenty of money? Do you have your emergency fund? Are you contributing to the very first investment that most people are associated with? Mm -hmm. And that's a retirement account. Right. That is your first available option really to start investing is in some form of retirement through your employer. And after conversation with this individual, I did find out they weren't contributing to their retirement account yet. And I said, well, of course you need to do that first. Do that and then come back and we'll talk about some things and figure out next steps. But I do want to tell people that when you say, when should I start investing? Well, that's your first step. Mm -hmm. If you have retirement through your employer, take it, especially if there's a match. Go back and listen to our retirement episodes. Take that money. That is free money you're leaving on the table, but that is your first form of investing. Depending on what the retirement plan looks like, that's your first step. Mm -hmm. That's the first one. Mm -hmm. And then other things, it's really, it's about taking that if you feel like you're at the point you're ready to invest, then go talk to somebody. Go talk to a financial advisor, and they're going to take the time to invest in you and find out what is your best options. And don't dis- don't get discouraged if they go, hey, I'm so glad you took the steps to take care of your financial future. We're not ready. In my opinion, we're not ready for you to start investing in mutual funds or stock markets or bonds or something like that. But why don't we take these three steps and then you come back to us and then you'll be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So now some people that want that like instant gratification of like, no, I, I want to invest in Tesla or I want to invest in Investment Company America or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. They may be like, well, why, why wouldn't they do that? And it's because they care. Remember that best interest? It's that's what's best for you overall. Yeah. Um, I will tack on to the to the end of that. You can one of the thing we said that our business basically we rely on referrals, mm-hmm. and so one thing you can do is ask the people that you know, ask your family and friends. Do you have an investment account with someone? Who do you have it with? Mm-hmm. Who do you recommend? And maybe that person will give you a, a referral, give you a recommendation of somebody that they know and trust. And um, maybe they have uh, accounts with that person. And so you can go to that person and that's a good place to start. Yeah. But I would say it's one of those, you've got to know yourself and especially with your money that you're talking about, that's your, your long-term money, your emergency funds, your, your retirement, you should be trusting a person with that. And it should feel more like a relationship and not a transaction. Like I have a transactional relationship with 
my previous bank because it was that I just had an account there. I didn't know anyone's name there. That's just what it was. Mm -hmm. And I've now switched to a bank that I have a relationship with and it's just like night and day. I didn't know what I didn't know. You I didn't, didn't know everything a banker could do for you, I, I had, you? I had no idea yeah. that there was someone at this bank that actually cared and was going to advise me on the best things. And same with you know financial advice. There's a bunch of people I may talk to and they're like, oh yeah, well, I've got an investment account, I think, lumped in with my insurance. And it's like, okay, but how do you talk to them? Or is it just when they send you a bill because you owe money? Is this something that you got from your insurance guy? Yeah. Maybe that's not the, the best way to invest. Um, you know, insurance salespeople, uh, bankers, um, there are all sorts of different people out there that might offer you investment opportunities, but those may not be the best opportunity for you. Yeah. Um, so you, you have these options. You, you need to consider everything that you have and consider all of the options that are available to you out there and not just, well, you know, I've got some money somewhere. And, and with part of, one of the things is that there's a lot of people that, need financial help. There's a lot of people that need financial plans, but it's kind of like you need to go on a diet or you need to do this, but until you want to do it, you're not going to do it. And so it's our policy has always been, you know, we want to take care of people and, you know, with the referrals and all of that, if someone comes to us and really wants help, then we want to help them because they've hit that stage of, yeah, I'm here. I want to invest. So we're going to help you get on that track to get where you need to go. Well, I mean, on a very basic level, it just makes sense. If you have the ability to make your money grow mm -hmm. or to hide your money somewhere and not grow, which would you choose? Which makes more sense? To me, if I'm if I have the opportunity to make my money grow, then I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of that opportunity if yeah. I can. And I may have already said this, but it's just there's so much information out there right now that it's so easy to get stuck on what one person is doing. And mm -hmm. so if you've been told your whole life, you've got to save for retirement. Well, then if we find out you're putting 50% into retirement and you're living off of ramen noodles and not living your life, that's not good. And it's, you know, you've got these different people out there saying no debt at all. Okay. But if you spend all of your available cash to pay off your car, then when your kid falls and breaks their arm and you have a medical bill, you can't go in there and take the steering wheel and say, here, doc, does this work? Mm -hmm. You know, it's paid for. doesn't work that way. But it's, it's not that those are bad moves because in their mind, it's like, oh, I paid off my car. I don't have debt or I'm putting all this money into retirement. That's a good thing. And it is a good thing, but it's, it's all about the balancing act. It's making sure that you are taking care of all aspects of your life and balancing it out so that you're not only set for retirement financially, but you're also enjoying life along the way. This conversation about trying to find an advisor, uh, it's reminded me of a jargon word our listeners may have heard. Um, do any of you know the $10 word that refers to an advisor that has the client's best interest in mind at all times? Fiduciary? Bingo. Yeah. So, <laughs> Fiduciary. Yeah. So that's what it means. Yeah. And so uh, if y'all remember back from a couple episodes, Court and I are actually in school and mm -hmm. we are trying right now to get the designation to be a certified financial planner. And so we are going through every aspect of learning about investments and insurance and tax and all different things under the sun to make sure that 
we understand all these different outlets to better help our clients. Certified financial planner is a registered trademark designation that you get by taking a bunch of classes, studying a whole lot, studying for a test, taking the test, passing the test, and then meeting some other standards that you have to meet to be able to call yourself a CFP. You don't have to be a CFP to be to 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 say that you do financial plans. Mm-mm. But, you know, saying, you know, being able to say that you're a certified financial planner is is a a, a level above. And so you may come you may meet people that say, oh, "I can do a financial plan for you." That doesn't necessarily mean they're a certified financial planner. It just means they can do a financial plan for you. And they may do a perfectly good job, but they're not necessarily held to the same standard as a person who's calling themselves a CFP. So that fiduciary standard, the fiduciary standard is part of the standard that every certified financial planner has to hold themselves to. That standard of looking out for your best interests instead of their own. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, when to invest, I mean, it depends, but when to get a financial advisor or a financial partner, that's now. That's as soon as you are ready, as soon as you feel like you need that person now. You know, like the myth said, you're never too young, never too old. It's just when you are ready to find that person to help you out through life. Hmm. Yes. Yes, Katie. Very good. Very good. Okay. So, me thinks it is now time for a, what do you call it? A bullseye. Yes? Okay. Okay. It's a bullseye. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my bullseye. Everybody is unique, which means everybody's financial plan is going to be unique. Remember, your plan is always changing. And what you need to do isn't necessarily what is publicly advertised by so-and-so. Yeah, you know, yeah. Blogs. It, let me let me tell you what if you're if the medium that you're going off of is a is a is a limited medium like 140 words or a six second video or whatever that's probably not where you need to be getting your advice. But anyway, you know it, it's it, the advice should be tailored to you. But it it is never too early to get advice from someone. You're never too young to get advice, to get a plan, and to start setting yourself up for that financial freedom. Now, that doesn't necessarily answer the question of when should you invest, but when should you seek advice? Seek it as early as you want. Mm -hmm. That's my bullseye. Katie, what's yours? Okay, so going right off of that is, yes, um, you know, a kind of test you can do, remember, is do you have those adequate cash levels? Do you have those three months of living expenses in your checking savings, your true emergency fund? And if you do, then do you have you covered all your credit card debt and those high interest debts? Are those taken care of? If those two things are checked off, then that's something, yeah, you might be a candidate to go ahead and start investing in some form. Now, we're not saying that if you don't have that, don't go talk to somebody, because that may be where you go, talk to somebody, get your plan so you can check those two off and then you can start investing. Bullseye. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. In fact, if you've listened to all of them, you've made it to the end of your 45th episode of the Bullcast Podcast. (laughs) If you like what you heard and you haven't already, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and subscribe to our podcast. Um, If you'd like to find out more about me and Katie, you can go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. Leave a comment, leave a suggestion for a topic, or just read about us over and over again. And you will be happy. 
If you'd like to see some pictures of us, we do have an Instagram handle. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And also, occasionally, we like to post the words on the Twitters. <laughs> Our Twitter handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. You see the theme here? Finally, ladies and gentlemen, Katie and I both work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you would like to find out more about our company, more about our amazing team, and our amazing boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to that website. That website is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you quite a bit to deal with. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. And I'm Cameron. I'm going to go get this cold checked out and make sure I'm not pregnant or anything. (laughs) Ha 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 ha.